Welcome to the Heart and Home Podcast. We're your hosts, Shannon, Ashley, and Jessica. We want to normalize mental health and show how it can affect all the different pieces of our lives and provide some solidarity and community. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart and Home Podcast. You're here today with Shannon and Jessica. Uh, We are going to go into a little bit deeper topic than we normally do. We still always center things around mental health, um, but this one's a more deep topic that is very sensitive to both um, me and Shannon. And just a little disclosure, content warning up first, that this might not be the best for little ears, um, or even if you have either experienced yourself in any type of way, uh, suicide in all of its forms, this may or may not be a podcast that you want to listen to. So we'll really just leave it up to your discretion. But that is going to be the topic today. It is something that Shannon and I have both had experience with through family. So we're going to come today from a point of sharing our point of view, but then also sharing our point of view from the family aspect of when people do follow through and die this way, how it affects the family later on and not just during the time um, when everything is so fresh, but years and years later. I know even for us this month, actually, it's going to be three years. And I feel like what's been hard about it is I just feel like they're missing out on so much and they're missing out on milestones that, um, so it would be my, my father-in-law and he's missing. We just bought a home. He missed out on his son buying his first home. He is going to miss out on, you know, hopefully if we can have kids and our wedding, we're getting married this year. And there's just so many things that I feel like they're missing out on. And, and Shannon, I know you can 100% relate to that um, because you went through majority of your life maybe feeling like you had, you know, missed milestones as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a void there for sure. And it's probably something that even without my knowledge, I've been trying to like fill that void that I, I can never truly fill, you know? Like I've been so blessed to have such an amazing husband who is a caretaker and makes me feel safe and loved and all of the things that my father, you know, would have been for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's my husband. He can't, he, you know, he can't fill those shoes. Um, My, my dad, I think the biggest thing for my situation is that it's always been a question mark. Like it's not a hundred percent certain that my dad actually intentionally made the decision to end his life. And I think that for me is probably like the hardest thing because I live every day, just like not knowing Mm -hmm. maybe that's better. I don't know. But, um, and the reason I say that is just because, um, the manner in which he passed was an overdose of his antidepressants. And, um, he had just kind of been put on a new medication at the time. And this was in the early nineties when, medications were still fairly new and the side effects were still unknown. And I think they didn't put a lot of those warnings of, you know, when you first start taking antidepressants, sometimes it can actually increase suicide and things like that. So a lot of things weren't known back in the early nineties about depression and about the medications that were out there. 
also there just weren't a lot of medication options, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's a warning we hear all the time now. So that's crazy yeah. that, I mean, yeah. not even very long ago, that wasn't a thing. It, right. And so um, I just remember, you know, 13 year old me and my, the little bits and pieces I can remember of my dad, like in the probably like the few weeks leading up to it when he passed is he was just, you know, really sleepy, kind of just wanted to be taking naps all the time, which I found odd because he and I always were doing stuff. Like he was like that dad that was like all in, like, let's go do this. Let's go have fun. Like he always wanted to say he was like the, a great dad, but like he, at, at that time, he just felt like always tired and wanting to like sleep. And so I was noticing that I was also kind of noticing just like him kind of like almost having like the shakes a little bit and sort of like jittery and stuff. So I, I, now I'm looking back and I'm like, yeah, he was definitely getting some side effects to the medicine he was on. Mm-hmm. And the evening of his passing, he did not leave like any sort of note, nothing that would indicate that that's what his plan was. Um, he had other plans ahead of that night. So it's just really, it's just like everything around. It's just really confusing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, like sadly, his death certificate reads suicide because that is what they ruled it as because he had too many antidepressants in his system sure. and they just, you know, I mean, he, he obviously took those. And so they just said that it was intentional. And that's been a frustrating fact for me because yeah. there's really no, no way ever for me to go back and just be like, is that what happened? You know, and my relationship with him was so good and awesome that I just know that the dad that I knew would have wanted to say at least a goodbye or something to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the hardest thing for me. Um, thinking back to my, my father's passing. That would be very confusing because the side effects that I hear, you know, whether it's on TV, the radio, wherever, you know, these medications are advertised, it says, you know, could increase anxiety and depression, typically both of them, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. So I feel like if it could increase both, that would be very confusing for you because you could feel like on one hand, was he feeling more anxious and that he needed to maybe, you know, up his dose because he was feeling anxious, but really that was a side effect. So I feel like my frustration right now is really coming from like, was it, I don't like when there's trial and errors, you know, made on people. So we could learn later on, oh, we need to disclose these things. But it's like, oh my gosh, like, why did we need to use, I mean, you know, not that they were intentionally, but it feels like it was just trials on, on people to see, you know, then what they would learn for the future. And that's Mm -hmm. so frustrating. Yes. And I also feel like, you know, I, I've never um, been, well, I guess I shouldn't say that I have been on like an anti-anxiety medication mm-hmm. before. And I remember feeling like some brain fog with that. Like, I remember when I started taking it, I was like feeling not myself and kind of almost like confused and a little bit aloof and like, uh, you know, and then there are times where I'd be like, did I take it? Didn't I take yeah. it? Like, I can't remember. And So I don't know, like, was it a situation like that where he had just like complete brain fog and like didn't know? And um, the other thing, like, I just, I don't know. The other thing is like he, my dad loved to have like, you know, like some beer. He'd toss a few back. If he was going to do something like that, I feel like he, they didn't have a drop of alcoholic in his system. I feel like he would have definitely had some drinks to go along with it. I think if he was going to like try to make that happen. Do you know what I mean? I do. 
I do. So I don't know. But I guess, you know, with the topic being suicide and, and that is what it was ruled as, um, I do, I do feel like he was struggling. Like there's no doubt, you know, depression mm-hmm. consumed him. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm sad for him that he didn't get to see the developments because I do think we've come a long way in mental health. We're still a long ways away from where we need to be, but I think we've come a long way and there's a lot more medication choices and therapy options and just like things that, you know, he probably could have really used. Mm -hmm. I am, I am thankful that I don't know how long he was battling and I don't know if you know either, but what we were reminding ourselves to um, with my father-in-law was that we knew he was suffering for years and years before he passed. And something we tried to remind ourselves not to, you know, mask the pain that was being caused, but to really just try and understand it from their perspective is that they were probably living with this just pain, whatever they were feeling from that depression for so long. And I'm grateful that both my father-in-law and your dad lived Mm -hmm. as long as they could. And at least with my father-in-law, I do believe that he tried the best he could to live as long as he could. Because I mean, he, it was known that, that he had depression. Oh my gosh. I would say like 20s I'm trying to think like how old how old he would have been at the time but from a very young age so it's not that you know it's not something that was new so we knew that he was living with it for a very very long time and we felt grateful that he was able to put up with that every day every day you know he was battling with that and although so much has happened and will continue to happen without him. It's just, we try and at least focus on the amount of time he was able to stay here and remind ourselves that he did not want to go. It is a disease and told him that he needed to go for whatever reason. It was not his choice in the end. He did not leave a note either. And that was really, really hard. Um, Because it's just, it was the same thing with his kids. They were, you know, Tanner worked with him every single day. They, they shared the same job. Um, they worked with each other, saw each other every day. Um, him and Kylie were extremely, extremely close. So they were just, they just did not understand. Um, so they could definitely relate to how you felt with that Shannon as well. So many questions, you know, and I, yep. I hope someday, like, you know, my faith obviously always, helps me through these times because I hope someday that I can, you know, ask those questions and get some answers or have some clarity, but whether I do or I don't, doesn't take away from kind of what you just said is just like the time we did have together. I mean, it is easy to, to spiral and feel like he's missed yeah. so much, you know, he's missed yeah. literally my entire life. I was 13. Yes, so, literally. you know, he didn't even get to see me drive a car. Like that's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, I see him all the time and my kids, I see him, you know, even like my, my, my firstborn, my son, he's 
like a spitting image of my dad. Like everyone always says that anyone who ever had met my dad is like, Oh my gosh, he looks so much like him. And, and it's so cool to see that. Cause you know, it's like, Oh, you remind me so much of my dad and his middle name is my dad's name. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's taught me a lot about, I guess probably the biggest um, effect that it's had on me just in my life is the understanding that life is so fragile and you can go from one second being here and literally being gone so quickly. And I think that it's obviously created a lot of anxiety for me having kids, being a mom, um, just the fear of losing anyone ever close to me. Yeah. And I've had to sort of put a balance on that. Otherwise I could never, um, (laughs) like truly live, you know, and it took me a long time to realize that I can't constantly live in fear of, of death because, you know, that could, it could be 60 year, 80 years of my life that I just constantly felt anxiety over something that, you know, I have no control of. Mm-hmm. And I try to remind myself that all the time, even in like the moments where I'm just like panicking because I can't, maybe can't get a hold of somebody. And I'm like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. You know, I have to like, talk myself down and just remind myself that, you know, you can't control every situation. And mm-hmm. yeah. Are there feelings for you that, I mean, that those, I feel like it could go one of two ways, maybe meet in the middle as well, but like, I feel like you can either really vividly remember the day that you found out, or it's just, it's blurry. And okay. I don't know which one it is for you. Um, but for me, a lot of things even come up, um, just, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday and that's a horrible feeling that, you know, three years later, I can still remember every single detail. I can remember what I was wearing, what I was doing and it, it, it's horrible, but there's things that still carry on with me today. So like, for example, when Tanner had called me, um, to tell me this, the sound in his voice, it is, com- it is burned in my brain forever. And, and it, and it scares me because at, at first when I answered, like I thought like he, he's someone who laughs all the time. He's always having a great time. And there's been a thousand times that I've answered the phone and he's been laughing at somebody, something, whatever. So I thought he was laughing when I answered the phone oh. and that's not, you know, that's not what it was. So like, so now, and I've, and I've had to share that with him because now, like if I pick up the phone and he's laughing, I immediately go back to that day. Yeah. I, you know, the, the wave of just panic comes over me. I feel nauseous. I feel just completely unwell. And so I've had, I've had a Tom, I've asked him, you know, like, 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 I'm so sorry to like, you know, put a, put a damper on your happiness in those moments. But, and then, you know, I shared with him when, when you call me and you're laughing, it really takes me back. And, and I don't know if you have experienced anything like that either, where it just, it takes you back and it's a horrible feeling. And it's just, yeah, I definitely, oh yeah. I remember what I was doing. I was, uh, we were finishing up with dinner And it was like six o'clock on a Tuesday night. And what is funny because this is 1991. So like, let's roll the time back quite a ways. And Walmart was brand new. 
and no one had heard of it oh. before. And we oh, had just got, yeah, yeah. And we had just gotten one in our town and we were like, oh, what's Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> That's just like a really funny side note, right? And because I was like, well, is it Kmart? No, no, it's like better than Kmart. It's like really oh, that's awesome. So we were like super excited about like going there after dinner. So we had all these plans that we were gonna check out this like new Walmart. And all of a sudden we had a knock on the door and and then they were shining the like the flashlight in the window of the door. And I mean that's odd, right? And so then realized it was a police officer. And so that's something that sticks with me now is like, he, mm. never a good sign if a police officer shows up at your door. So yeah. I fear that. Um, but anyways, and, you know, he immediately asked, like, are you the friends or family of, and then he said my dad's name, his full name. And um, I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. And he's like, well, I'm instructed to have you, you know, call this number because my dad at the time had been um, living down in like the suburbs of Chicago, like for a work assignment. Sure. And so um, instead of sending an officer up from there, we, they sent a local officer to have us call that police that department. So immediately, you know, what goes through my mind is that, you know, he got into like, he got into trouble. He, a, a kid yeah. thinks police usually means trouble. So I was like, oh, what happened? Did he get like a speeding ticket? Like I'm thinking all <laughs> these ridiculous, like easy things, you know? Um, then I can hear my mom like on the phone in the next room on the phone with the, um, the police department and they're giving her the news and she just like, she gets hysterical, like just starts like wailing. And I obviously like already know, like, I didn't have to ask. I already knew what was happening. Um, and so I just, I remember kind of like she gets off the phone and wants to come kind of come soothe me. And I'm just like, don't come by me. I don't want to know. Like, just seem like, don't, I kind of like, almost like she's coming around the table and I'm walking, like trying to get away from her. Mm -hmm. And I finally just stop and I turn around and I'm like, just tell me one thing, is he alive? Mm -hmm. And she's like, mm -hmm. she started to say yes. And she's like, no. And I mean, I'll never forget that. Like I, I immediately wanted to get away. Like I wanted to leave. I wanted to run away. I wanted to pack everything up. And I said mm -hmm. that I'm like, I, I got to go. I got to leave. We got to go. And she's like, where are you going to go? We can't go. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just can't be here. So I guess I feel like that was my fight or flight. Oh moment. yeah. And I just wanted to fly. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to think about it. And so like, yeah, there, there's like nothing that will ever remove those, that memory out of my brain. Like it will always be ingrained in me. And, um, you know, I know that this episode is really on suicide, but this is also just like death in general. Like anyone who's lost a loved one in any manner that they've lost them will remember the moment they found out, will remember exactly what was happening and the devastation that sets in. And then it goes from like devastation to just like numbness. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like where you just like, don't even, you're like the shock sets in. Right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So. You're absolutely right. And I feel like where I've gotten stuck, and I mean, naturally, feelings coming in waves, but what I have a really hard time with is because advocating for mental health in the ways that I do and the way that Kylie and I do through our mental health, health faith, Facebook group and the awareness event, I understand 
that it is an illness. And I understand that if he was in his right mind, he wouldn't have chosen this at all and that there was an illness in play, but it still doesn't, it still doesn't, there's still a, a part of me that is just so angry and yeah. I feel so guilty for being angry because I know it's an illness and I know that again, if, if he was in his right mind, he would not have chosen that, but there's still so many parts of me that just just want to, you know, scream and yell and just talk to them one more time so I could tell them how mad I am. So I'm so, and then that makes me upset with myself because I have to remind myself it's an illness. You know, they did not do this intentionally. They died by the illness. And so that for me, I think has been the hardest part because it's always like a push and pull with how I feel about it. And I want to be angry and then I feel bad about being angry and then I feel guilty for being angry. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like, I don't think that part will ever go away either. So the song that whenever I hear it and I play it occasionally is um, before you go. Yes. That's a beautiful song. Do you know who I have to look up who sings that? Um, before Before you go and um, the lyrics you know when I first heard it it kind of almost sounds like what's the name Louis Capaldi yeah he's great yeah so the first time I heard that song I mean you know when you kind of just listen to it but you don't really like dig into the lyrics it just sounds like you know maybe a broken heart yeah but the song is really like it's about the person who's still here alive after losing someone to suicide and the emotions and the feelings that they're going through. And they're saying like, in the beginning of the song, he's like, I hate you. I hate you, but I'm just kidding myself. I don't hate you. Like you're mad that they made that choice. You're, you're so mad, but you're not, you love them so much and you're just so sad and you're so like grieving the fact that this is the choice that was made. But then the part in the song that just really gets me is when he says that your mind can make you feel so worthless and like that really like brings me to tears, you know, because like, that's true. That's the, really the truth of depression. Your, Your mind is like telling you these lies, but making you feel so worthless. I think the hardest thing too, for people who like don't have depression and they have a loved one who struggles with it, they don't know, they don't understand. Like, it's like, just get better, snap out of it, feel better, you know? get some medication or go see someone. And, you know, I don't know if you've like encountered a ton of people who've been like clinically depressed. My dad didn't have this. He, he didn't, he wasn't an angry, depressed person. He was actually opposite. He was like the funny, you know, you would never know it, you know, which reminds me of Robin Williams kind of thing. Like that's how he was, but you know how some people really carry it on the outside. Like they just are angry and they just can't smile and they can't be nice because they're so dark inside. Yep. And I think so. Sorry, Shannon, I cut you off. (laughs) I feel that is exactly how my father-in-law was, was smiley, laughing, always the life of the party. Welcome. He had an open door in his home. Anyone who ever wanted to come over could. He was so welcoming. He really looked like he loved life and that he was just a free spirit. 
And and it's funny you bring up Robin Williams because that was one of his favorite um, actors. So yeah, it's just, I feel like when we're talking about the people who show it, I feel like they, and again, just speaking out of an opinion here, they might be in a better place than people who are maybe happy and more in kind of masking it because at least they're sharing their really crappy feelings, right? Like they are, they feel like crap and they are so in their minds and it's such a dark place that they're at least maybe sharing it with the world and able to express it while the people who are, you know, happy and just keep it inside and mask it. I don't feel like they're able to, to really get those feelings out at all. And so it's funny that um, both of, both of these, you know, our, our situations were very similar in that way, because Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like maybe that's when it's worse is because they really, they can't share those feelings at all. And that's what makes it, I think, so hard, too, is because something that I've had a hard time with when it comes to advocating for mental health is there's no such thing for, I shouldn't even say that, there are signs and symptoms that you can look out for, for depression, Um, and some people, um, (laughs) there are signs and symptoms that you can look out for, you know, in your family or friends, but I also feel like what is so hard for other people is then they put that on themselves because they should have noticed. They should have picked up on these things. And that is not something that anybody should have to carry. But I feel like when I'm raising awareness, you know, we tell people to look for these things or just be aware and check in with their family. But it's also up to that person to share how they're really feeling. And that's been my um, struggle because I definitely am more heightened awareness and sensitivity to like my loved ones. Are you okay? Is everything fine? I haven't talked to you. You're really quiet looking for the signs because I mean, depression is also hereditary. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I do, I, I worry about my kids. I worry about their kids and anyone that's going to fall into that, you know, gene line, but also just the world we live in right now. And well, that we, the world we live in is scary anyway, but I think it's, it's create, there's just so many mental health, untreated mental health related situations going on. And so it's hard. I, I have to, again, you know, balance that emotion as well. And I mean, I've had some good counseling for this stuff. I probably should have had more therapy as a child. I didn't, my mom and I did a little, but not, I I think I should have probably stuck with something more on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because I do think that a lot of the stuff I deal with is related to that, you know? Um, And my kids are so great. Like they know, they're like, mom, we know, we know that it's just because they know what I've been through. And so they're very good about the fact that I might be like slightly, I try not to be a helicopter mom, but like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just, I'm always checking in. I'm making sure everybody's good and everybody knows if you need anything, I'm here, you know? Um, Yeah. Between losing a loved one from suicide and losing a loved one from any other, I guess, Mm -hmm. way is that suicide just feels so like, it's just, 
I don't, I don't even know how to put this into the right words, but it just, it feels like you definitely could have done something different to make it change, like change the outcome of this. Yeah. You know, like I you, agree. Like you had the control and you didn't do anything. Yes. I feel like you feel almost at fault for some of it, but then in another part of you, you also feel betrayed from that person because you want to say, why didn't you tell me you were going through this? You know? So I feel like yeah. in a way too, it was just kind of like, a little bit of betrayal of like, yeah. you know, we thought we had this relationship. Why didn't you, you know, say anything or, and, and again, that's just an opinion for other people who've gone through it. I don't, I don't know, but I feel like something too, for people who know, like you mentioned that it can be hereditary for sure. And I feel like something that is really important to remember with that is understanding the things that make that worse. So for example, alcohol is huge with impacting anxiety, depression, all of those things. So I guess my advice, my, you know, non-doctor advice just from experience would be if you know of anyone and they don't have to have died by suicide by any means, but if you know of anyone in your family who does have depression, I would just maybe think twice a little bit of um, whether it's just for fun, you know, alcohol use, whatever it is, because that is on a, on a person who maybe doesn't have these types of genes, it's already kind of like a, an upper downer type of thing for your brain yeah. anyway. But for someone who does have this in their genes, it can be extremely dangerous because then you don't want to get addicted to it and have that be something that you cope with for the depression, but then truly it makes it worse in the end. So even with that, I mean, just understanding maybe if you have that in your family, that there are, there are some things that could help you not maybe go down that path either, but it's, it's so hard. Yeah. I think, you know, I've heard of a lot of stories too, where people are, you know, under the influence of something when they make that decision. And, yeah. you know, maybe if they would have been sober and, um, you know, still like you're not, a, you know, I think people take, you know, they, they drink or do drugs to escape the reality of their depression. Right. But then when they get into that escape, they're not in the clear, they're not in a clear frame of mind to really think about the outcome of the decision that they're making. The carryouts of actual suicide have been under the influence of some kind of whether it be alcohol or drug or something. But. And that I feel like would con just create more confusion for any of the families that, ha that, that has happened to, because then they feel like, I'm guessing, if they, well, just as you mentioned, if they were sober, would they have chosen something different? So, you know, all in all, it's just, it's a horrible thing to go through as you know family or friends or anybody in the life but then also for that person who was consumed by that depression it's also horrible mm -hmm. for them because i was i when when i was younger like school age um i was always just kind of like i always thought i guess my thought process was if somebody said anything about you know threatening their lives in high school or anything they're asking for attention and and, you know, just ignore them because they're just looking for attention. And, you know, no one specific, you know, told me to believe this. It was just something that was 
just at the time, that's what it was. If mm-hmm. people said that, they're asking for attention and that um, suicide was selfish. And I definitely, I can, I can wholeheartedly say because of this experience, I do not think it's selfish at all. I think that the, the people do not want to leave. I think that illness makes them do that. And I feel so much sympathy for what they went through and their families. And I just, my, at least, you know, nothing good. (laughs) It's like, you know, nothing good comes out of, you know, people passing, especially in a way like this, but it has definitely opened my eyes to, to the difference of, of what suicide means and and hopefully i can do the same for others because if you really look at it from an illness standpoint and not of that person left it it changes your mindset for sure and gives you the ability to have more care instead of feeling like it's selfish you can still be angry yeah but and that's where i'm at i'm still angry but i've i don't agree with it being selfish anymore i i agree with that i i mean i've never I've never once harbored any bad feelings toward my dad. Like even with the question, even with the question mark of what happened, but I will say this be, and I really, really, really need to say this because I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast or where it's going to go. And it is so important to me that if you're listening to this and if the thought of suicide is crossing your mind, that I just hope that you know that, that, is not an option. Like it, there are so many other resources for you. And honestly, like Jessica and I both would love to hear from you. Like you can send us a private message and, you know, we can offer you as many resources as possible. But, um, but I just really wish that my dad would have had other options and I know he did, and he just maybe didn't know what they were. And I'm sad that, you know, he didn't have access to the resources that we do have today because you know, he would have seen his daughter grow up and get married and have kids and he would have loved his grandkids and he would have loved so many of the things he's never been able to see. And I just don't want that to ever happen to anyone else. I don't want that to happen to you if that's you, the listener, feeling like you're lost and maybe in that moment of should I still be here or not? And I don't want that for your family and the people that love you so much. And I promise you it's the lies that you're mind is telling you it is not the reality it's the lies I completely agree I couldn't have said that any better I I truly believe that although it's an illness it's not an excuse when there are so many resources as you mentioned it's not that is not a way that you need to go by any means I know your brain tells you that there are no people there for you or it's just so hard and painful right now, but there's just hold on to that sliver of hope and it can get better. I know your brain tells you different, but you belong here. You need to be here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we'll share in our, um, we need to do a little bit more of the crossover because Jessica, what you're doing with, um, Light Up the Darkness is just absolutely amazing. I know it's very local, but I think we this could just grow and continue growing. And so if you're listening, you should find Light Up the Darkness on, and is it Your Mental Health Matters? Is that your page? 
Yeah, we have a page that's your mental health matters, and then we have our event that is a separate. Um, it's on an event page, and that one's Light Up the Darkness 2023. Yeah. So, I mean, these are just small resources that you can have access to, but like, there's so many others too. And there's a reason why you are listening to this podcast today. Maybe it's for a friend. Maybe it's for, you know, someone else, you know, or yourself. I don't know, but we're just really glad that you tuned in today. And I guess that's the biggest thing for me is that if I can share my experience after losing, you know, such an awful loss of my, my wonderful dad, like it's, it's, I can never change the outcome of what happened, but I sure hope I can do make some sort of a change in in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing this extremely deep and hard topic with us. Thank you. Thank you for sharing yours too. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Heart and Home podcast. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and share with a friend to help us grow our community.